Hey guys, it's me, Lance. And while I have you here listening to our show, I wanted to take a second and reach out to all the people out there that are thinking about starting their own show, starting their own podcast. When we started this thing back in February of 2019, we were really trying to figure out which platform we needed to go with. Well, in about 30 seconds after searching, we've stumbled upon Anchor. And since February of 2019, we have not looked back because, guys, it's pretty simple. With the quality that they provide, the accessibility that the platform provides, along with the fact that it's absolutely free, while you could potentially be making money doing it, it was pretty easy for us. And I think it'd be easy for you as well. So do me a favor. If you're thinking about starting your own show, you're thinking about starting your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I promise you guys, you won't regret it. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. Mr. Yo 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 himself will be here momentarily, at least we're hoping so. He's always got something new going on each and every week. We are so glad to be here for episode 99. We're inching ever so closely to that triple digit, which, I mean, we anticipated was going to happen, but, you know, you never really know what's going to happen in the podcast world. You know, people get different interests, uh, you know. Trevor gets a new cologne. Maybe he wants to, you know, try out a new, a new uh, lifestyle. Who knows? You know yes. what's going to happen here. Maybe Eddie finds himself, you know, in the in the warm clasps of Billy Hodge and just never wants to leave his sight. You never know what's going to happen in the world of a podcasting and in the world of sports in particular. But nevertheless, we're here for at least one more episode, guys, and and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here. Uh, to be with us for all you OG podcasters, for the people that have been, you know, live streaming that have converted over, for the YouTubers that have been hanging with us, we thank you and appreciate you for let, allowing us to play a small portion in your weekly routine. As we uh, all know that big, you know, the big, the biggest thing tonight is going to be about, uh, you know, talking NFL playoffs, and 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 this is the the finally we get an opportunity to talk some Chiefs football, and it feels like the first opportunity to talk real Chiefs football. For the first time in, I would say, three, four weeks. Well, that really matters. I mean, even the Saints game uh, four weeks ago was not really a meaningful game. It was a big game. It was fun. But it wasn't meaningful in, in the grand scheme of things when it comes to seeding. The last real big game for the Chiefs was against the Dolphins, and that was five weeks ago. So we are finally at that place when the Chiefs are geared up and ready to go and, and, and face a meaningful and worthy opponent on the AFC side, and we are so glad and so excited and anticipating to breaking these matchups down. We got four of them, four huge matchups in the divisional round. We're going to give you guys our predictions coming up in the show. We're going to get to the Eddie Hour. We got the Monday mailbag to get what you guys are talking about, what you guys are fueling on. We're going to hand out some L's. We we got a lot to talk about, but I want to start the show off with something, and it's going to be a little bit different because I want it to be more of an interactive opening. Uh, we we were planning on having our guy Ron the Show Hughley on tonight. 
And uh, because of a few little mishaps and errors that we had, um, we're, we're just want to recap a little bit of what we talked about with Ron because we actually had a chance uh, to talk to Ron before the show, pun intended. And I wanted to get his thoughts in regards to um, a few things. Obviously, in the, in, in the Houston area, him uh, being a, a sports radio host and sports uh, sports uh, sports radio six ten with Clint Storner, they have a show that they do uh, on a weekly basis. You know, there's a lot of there's it goes without say there's a big mess going out of there in Houston with Deshaun Watson. Now, you would think having your first franchise quarterback, a legitimate elite quarterback, you would know how to build a team around him, and that has been anything but the reality of what the Houston Texans have created down there. They got people out there that we don't even know what their purpose and, and plan is with with guys like Jack Easterby. Uh, they go and get make questionable decisions at the GM's position with Nick Casario. And this has never been a franchise of greatness to begin with, so the expectations are low. But when you have greatness at the most important position in sports, one would tend to think that that is something that you would maintain and handle properly and efficiently to build a winner around. We talked to Ron a little bit tonight, and you know he, he basically, when I even suggested the thought that maybe – Deshaun Watson to be traded and potentially maybe to Miami for picks and Tua. He uh, quickly told me that he's going to buy an airfare ticket to come out here and two-piece me and then told Trevor to go ahead and take care of the business for me because that's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And I I understand where Ron's coming from in that regard. But And, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Trevor. The Texans have to have some sort of contingency plan, though, because Deshaun Watson is in a position where, although he's on under contract for five more years, Mm. he can play hardball. We've had big names, the legendary Andre Johnson, the legendary DeAndre Hopkins, come out on social media and speak out against this Texans organization about, you know, the the inabilities and the the inefficiencies they have and how Deshaun Watson should play hardball and lean into what he's already doing. Could you see a scenario where the Texans are going to try and uh, try a trade or at least get a sense or a feel of what's out there for Deshaun Watson, or is that just absurd? Uh, it's absolutely not absurd. And that, that organization, what they did with DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, anything is possible as far as doing the wrong thing in, in, the, in Texans land. Um, and as, as, as we all have come to discover as of lately in these last few years in sports, the leverage is no longer in the hands of the administration and of, of the front office of these and, and the ownership. The superstar talent is, is definitely starting to recognize the leverage that they contain. Um, we just saw that with James Harden. The Rockets were absolutely not in, not even going to play ball with with the Nets when they were trying to do a trade earlier. Then all of a sudden, James Harden's a net, you know. So the, these guys can wiggle their way out if they want to. Granted, James Harden did it in a much less classier way if, if Deshaun, because Deshaun has every right to feel the way he feels right now. James Harden is just a prima donna. Um, so two different scenarios, but the, the result can be the same. Um, so, yeah, I mean, dude, this could go so many different ways. Um, I, I, would, I would, if I'm a betting man, I would bet on the Texans finding a way to screw it up and and, and, and trading Deshaun. Uh, and, and, and having a mess of a trade because we already saw what they did with DeAndre. I mean, it was pennies. It was it was embarrassing. It was an absolute travesty. So if I if I'm Deshaun, obviously I want out. And as a fan of Deshaun's game, I want him out too. I think he deserves a better spot to be competitive with Patrick Mahomes because I think he's a right up there, you know, to be competitive with Patrick Mahomes because um, I think he's outside of Patrick Mahomes in the AFC the best quarterback in this in this in this division. So um, he deserves so much better, man, for the way he's been treated. 
the class act that he is. I mean, he's not, you know, he's just now lately starting to kind of voice and invent his frustrations. But for the most part, since he's been, he's been a class act. His numbers have been incredible. Um, by far the best quarterback in franchise history already over there. Um, he deserves much better than what he's been getting. And I don't know, man, this is a mess. I don't know. I don't know if the Texans can fix it. If I'm Deshaun, I'm forcing my way out. That's kind of where I'm at as well. And, and again, uh, Ron's of the belief that that's just not how the Texans are going to do things. My, my thing, my problem is, is that the Texans haven't made good decisions to this point. So why would I believe they're going to make the right, right decision of building around their franchise quarterback? Because I think they've lost his trust. I think they've lost his respect. I just don't think he wants to spend another year wasted away out there in Houston. But the biggest reason I believe that, he, that Deshaun is upset is because of the fact that he doesn't feel feel heard. He, he Their promises they didn't keep. And, and one of those biggest promises is, is that they were telling him that you're going to be involved in how we strategize in hiring a coach and GM. That hasn't happened. And the one candidate that Deshaun Watson wanted to get interviewed was Eric Bieniemy here in Kansas City. And this is where I'm tying it all along here in Kansas City. Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes are very close. And Patrick Mahomes has been singing the praises of Eric Bieniemy. And if we know anything here in Kansas City, it's that Eric Bieniemy is overdue for a head coaching opportunity. And the Houston Texans, in some regard, were the right team in the, and, and were primed and ready for an Eric Bieniemy to take over. A man who is a leader amongst other men. A man who has proven himself at the, at the, at the uh, coordinator's position. And our guy Ron the show made great points about you know, when people are making these excuses as to why Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a job yet, these excuses are, are thin at best because Andy Reid never called plays as a coordinator. Uh, Jim Harbaugh never called plays as a coordinator. I mean, the list, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, even before he, when he went to the Falcons, obviously he was calling plays. But before that, he wasn't calling plays. He was a wide receivers coach, Sean McVay, same thing. So what is the real difference here? And furthermore, it was the guy Deshaun Watson wanted. Here we are. We have we have Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They're asking him, the brass, the Chiefs brass is asking him, hey, who do you want in the draft? He gets that luxury. Deshaun Watson doesn't even get the luxury of knowing who his head coach is going to be. And when he gives an, when he gives a suggestion of who he feels comfortable with, what you know is so pivotal in success is knowing the head coach and quarterback see eye to eye. They don't even grant him that until – the interview process is already over. The deadline is done, and Eric Bieniemy can no longer take interviews. They then throw out this half-ass attempt of "we're officially requesting an interview with Eric Bieniemy," knowing good and well that's just that is just them placating to their their quarterback to try to defuse the situation. And I think it's only irritated and pissed off Deshaun Watson even more so. And and according to what our guy Ron the Show Hugley has stated in our, in, in our conversation earlier. He believes Brian Dable is going to be the head coach of the Texans. Now, that's not a bad signing, but is that the guy that Deshaun Watson is going to put his trust in? That's the key issue here, and I don't think that's going to be the guy, and that's why I think there is a real opportunity here for a divorce. Trevor, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Eric Bieniemy is is going to end up taking that Texans job, or do you think this is just the Texans just trying to throw a PR stunt out there so their fans don't turn on them? I mean – Outside the Texans job that's left, well, I mean, what else is out there now at this point? There's already been hirings. You know, everybody has been filling their positions pretty quickly, and he's not really been, you know, no, no, of note at all as far as anybody, you know, putting any word out there that he's a, a true candidate for a spot. It's just, it's been so bizarre. He's always a candidate and gets a ton of interviews. I don't know, man. It's, it's such a, because I know, I know Deshaun is, 
voiced his opinion about Eric Bieniemy and one as one of them. I think I believe he wanted him last year. Um, so yeah, it's I, I, I even heard or read an article slightly kind of skimmed through it about there possibly being some like rumblings about Eric Bieniemy's past and some of the things he's done in his past. It's just amazing, man. Honestly, it's amazing some of these things that people dig up just to find reasons to you know, mask with how they really feel and why he's not really getting a position. I mean, but like we've talked about in the past though, like selfishly, I don't mind keeping Eric enemy around, but for him, if I'm his family, if I'm him individually, I want, I want to build my resume. I want to expand my portfolio as far as what I've got in my belt. I want to make real head coaching money. You know, that's, that's, that's the goal, man. I mean, that's, you want him to succeed and take that next step. That's and he's done his time. Right. So it's, I don't know, man. Outside of the, the Texans, I really want to see him get the Texans job outside of it. I mean, the little, Chargers are still available. And, yeah. and, and and Ron made a good point about, you know, how the hell does Urban Meyer get a job right. before Eric bien I mean, that's just absurd. I understand you know, Urban Meyer was a great head coach at college level. He's has zero experience at the NFL level. Furthermore, he quits every two to three years, which I think is just absolutely hilarious. The Jaguars hired him for the amount of money they're going to give him when in two, three years from now, he's going to have some new illness that, you know, he's going to bow out from. And I don't mean to make light of illnesses, but it's just funny how Urban Meyer always seems to have something go on every two to three years that gets him out of coaching well, even, wherever he was at. about Kafka getting, you know, scouted. With the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if that happens, if he gets a job before Eric, that is a t- Absolute travesty. It sounds to me like um, the Eagles are really going after uh, Oklahoma's Oklahoma Sooners head coach Lincoln Riley. Right. Which That's what it sounds like they're going to get. Yeah. Um, and, and that'd be one hell of a pull if they could land him because I think Lincoln Riley does have potential being a young coach, and I think he could do well at the NFL level. The point remains, though, there are no more excuses. And this is why I started to theorize a little bit. Maybe Eric Bieniemy really is being a little choosy here because he's definitely not bombing these interviews. Like, like our guy Ron was saying, you listen to Eric Benjamin talk yeah. to the public, to the media. This man conducts himself and articulates himself unlike many coaches out there. Yeah. I mean, he's very ins- inspirational. He, he re- like I said, he gets his point across. It's very, very Mike Tomlin esque. It's, it's, it's very uh, to the point. It's, it's, it, you, you understand where he's coming from and everything he talks about. So there's no way in hell I'm going to sit here and entertain the thought that Eric Benjamin's bombing interviews. I mean, he may not vibe with a certain you know, GM or people that are interviewing that might, that might be possible. I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody meshes. That's not the truth, obviously, but to sit here and think that these teams just don't like what they're getting from Eric Bieniemy as the man, as a coach, that's just absolutely absurd. Cause if you know anything about Andy Reid coaching tree, he produces coaches, he produces head coaches. There's no way he's going to elevate a man like Eric Bieniemy unless he believes he's the type of guy that could take on a job outside of what he's doing here in Kansas city. So Guys, I know there's many theories out there as to what is going on with Eric Bieniemy and what's going on with you know the coaching abilities out there. Is it racially motivated? I, I'm entertaining that thought. I think it's one or two things. I think it's either racially motivated, racially driven, and people don't want to give their keys to their franchise to a black coach. They just don't want to come out and say it. Or it's Eric Bieniemy saying, look, I'm not interested in this job. Maybe location matters to him more than we realize, more than he's vocalized. Because yeah, I have to imagine if the Chargers hit him up right now, yeah. I would imagine Eric Bieniemy I mean, takes that L- job. LA with Herbert, I mean, that's a great so, so maybe he's waiting for that opportunity. I mean, this would be the perfect opportunity for him to get that job. It just, it, 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 to me, there's no other reasons fathomable yeah. as just, to why he doesn't have a head coaching I job. I just feel like job, job or 
coaching jobs, head coaching jobs fill pretty quickly. Once there's traction, usually the, the coach gets hired pretty quickly so they can get him in as quickly as, right. as possible, get his, his coaching staff in, get everybody acclimated. So I feel like if they were, and, and, and with Eric Bannamy being a hot topic last season, you know, and then leading into this next offseason, you'd think he'd be on the top of the list. He probably would have got hired quickly. So at this rate, it doesn't look like he's going to get a gig. No, he's he's, he's not. And, and, Unfortunately. And yes, uh, to, the, to, the, to the extremes of being a Chiefs fan, it is beneficial to, to have Eric Manning for another year. Especially for this team, this team, yes, and this yeah. team absolutely respects him. Him and Travis Kelsey have an incredible relationship. Uh, Patrick Mahomes 100% believes in him. If you go and watch the video of the uh, of NFL Films, when, when you look at uh, Super Bowl 54, when Patrick Mahomes requests the Wasp chip play, who is he talking to? Eric Bieniemy. Not th- not to say that, that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid obviously they they click on all cylinders too, but Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes they work together and it and it and it, and it flows. And Eric Bieniemy is a valuable asset to Kansas City, so having him here is great. But as a human being, you want to see that person get that generational wealth. You want to see them get that head coaching money. He's busted his ass. He's in his early 50s now. It is beyond time. The NFL needs to get out of their own way and hire a proven commodity, and that is Eric Bieniemy. Whether he is black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever he is, give him his opportunity. Give him his due. That's all I can say. And hopefully, Eric Bieniemy lands himself a great job next season. That, that's all we can hope. Or, shit, we hear that the Chargers – are interested in Eric Bieniemy? That'd be great. Yeah. I would love to hear the, that news. I, it although it would be, it'd be uh, scary. Yeah, you get Justin Herbert and yeah. EB together. Oh yeah, it, it, the party's on. Yeah, they got that'd be the best coach they've had since Marty Schottenheimer. For so sure. there's no question about that. But we're gonna leave it there, guys, because we got a lot more to get to tonight, guys. We are we're we're definitely gonna be discussing a lot more Chiefs football. So don't worry, it's not gonna be all Deshaun Watson. It's not gonna be all the Texans. It just such a rich story that's going on outside of the realm of uh, of the playoffs. Like we have these great matchups in the divisional rounds, but outside of that, we have something in Texans Texas that's really brewing. And uh, I, I'm definitely going to keep a close eye to that one, guys. And I think we all should because it's in the AFC. And it really does affect the future of not only a franchise that could eventually be a contender if they do things the right way, or it could be a great top five quarterback that came out of the same draft class as Patrick Mahomes going somewhere else. That's that's the scenarios we're, 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 uh, we're basing this whole thing off of. So keep a close eye on that, guys. I wanted to start off the show with that a little bit because, like I said, we got a ton to talk about, guys. I hope you're ready for it because when we get back, we're going to get to the Eddie Hour. I hope you guys are excited for that because I want to get Eddie's thoughts as soon as his ass gets here. And once he does, we'll get to that. We'll get, that, we'll get to all of that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge.
Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twoodle, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell. What's good? And, of course, Mr. Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We can't do the Eddie hour without the Eddie. It would just be the hour. And I don't want to just do the hour, guys. we got to get to the Eddie hour. So, nevertheless... Our guy Eddie is joining us for segment number two. Eddie, what is in the Eddie Hour this week? All right, man. Uh, Let's kick it off pretty strong. I want to see what you guys think about this. I want to get your thoughts on the whole James Harden to the Nets uh, trade and and stuff. Well, I mean, we've all talked about it in our text thread this week when it all happened. Um, We were kind of open-minded to the idea that it could potentially take place. I didn't really know what was going to happen with the Rockets and James Harden. James Harden made sure – to ruin the relationship as much as possible to the point where he basically strong armed the Rockets to get that trade done because he his eyes and his mind and his heart were set in Brooklyn to reunite with Kevin Durant, who we started back with in OKC with several years ago. For me, it's like this, guys. J- Trevor and I were talking about this before the show tonight. James Harden is a superstar talent. So on, on paper, you add him to the equation with Kevin Durant and possibly Kyrie Irving, you think, oh, championship team. No, it's not a championship team. And I've been trying to tell people this. If this happens, on paper, it's fun. And it's going to be fun. They're going to score a lot of points. And it's going to be really exciting through the regular season. But it's going to be more of the same. More so because of the fact that, one, Kevin Durant is by far the best player on this team. And he's coming off an Achilles tear. He's in his mid-30s now. You're not going to access the best out of Kevin Durant. He looks great right now. He looks great right now, no doubt. But it's not going to be on a night-in, night-out basis. They're trying to keep him on a pitch count as it is. Now they're going to be demanding more from him because he's their best defensive player by far because they traded Jarrett Allen, and they have no real perimeter defenders at this point. James Harden, is a, like I said, he can fill the stat sheet up. But we all know he does not play defense, and we all know what he does in the playoffs each and every season. That's not going to change. Kyrie Irving, where the fuck is he? The last thing we knew about him is he's taking Zoom calls with Sex and the City celebrities, and he's had a... A uh, birthday party for his sister, unmasked, and he just got a 50K fine for that today. So I don't even know if Kyrie Irving's going to return. Not to mention the fact they are coached by a first-year, zero-experience head coach in Steve Nash. Love him to death as a player. I have no idea what he's going to be as a head coach, more so with the egos that he's going to have to take on. They have zero depth now. The Rockets won this trade for the long haul with all the picks and the young players they got. I 100% believe the Nets are without question out of the finals uh, uh, opportunities at this point. Not that the East is so great. It's just that I don't believe in this roster more so now than ever with them adding James Harden. I mean, there's so much variance here. I don't even know where to begin because I don't know what's going to take. It's going to take it. It's going to take the duration of the season for them to really figure this out. If it ever gets figured out uh, for all three of these guys to share the basketball, because all three of these guys are heavy, heavy usage rated rate guys. So, these all three of these guys demand the ball to get a rhythm going. They're all three rhythm players. Um, yeah, it's just for me, man. It's a, the death is gone now. Lavert's gone. Um, that's their guy off the bench to give him, you know, sometimes spot start. You know, if, if Kyrie's out or if KD's out, he can spot start and buffer both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, Jarrett Allen's gone, so they lost. You know, the, now DeAndre Jordan's gonna have to start at times probably. Um, and be a spark off the bench. Uh, that's yeah. It's a it's a strange. I mean, but I mean at the same time, we've seen t- teams like in Miami with LeBron not be very deep teams and still go to you know three to four um, title runs. So it, it's definitely possible out of the East. They're still my favorite team to come out of the East. That's just an overwhelming amount of t- uh, talent. Um, if those three guys are clicking together, and it, it, there's no way you can stop that three headed monster offensively. They're going if they're all getting theirs. You're not going to beat them. 
So I, I just think that if, if that's a big, if too, because the chemistry here is, is the biggest part and, and, and availability uh, is huge too with Kyrie. And we don't know, we got Stephen A. Smith coming out telling him he, he needs to retire. Um, I, yeah, I, Kyrie is the X factor here. Um, but even if it say, fuck, say if it's just James Harden and, and Durant, that's still scary as shit. They can still make some moves before the trade deadline to get death. If, say if Kyrie's out, if they want to move Kyrie or the, cause that could still very well happen. If Kyrie becomes a nuisance here, once again, they can move him for some pieces. If someone's still going to accept Kyrie somewhere else, I'm just I'm spitballing here. But as it is right now, they're still by far my favorite team to come out of the East. I just think that is way too much firepower offensively. I don't care how bad their defense is. If you got to keep up with that three-headed monster offensively, this is something we've never seen. We've never seen this much firepower offensively as a three-headed monster offensively in the NBA history. I mean, I, these I, three would, guys. I would say the 2017-2018 Warriors are no, pretty no, no, damn no. close. You got not, not, Durant, not, Steph, and Clay. Yeah, but you got a guy in Kyrie that can get, you, all de- play that together. Can, that can get you just as many points as as, as Steph. That can get you just – and you got KD that can, is a better scorer than Steph. And you got James Harden who might be – who is a better scorer than Steph. So all three of these guys, Kyrie being right at Steph's level scoring-wise, and the other two are better scorers than Steph in my mind. We've never seen anything like this, man. And they're all still in their prime. It's just – it's just a matter of if they mesh. They are definitely still in the prime. KD is, is, is doesn't look like he's missed a step. He's look he's well, looked good. They got him good. on a pitch count for they're sure. Not, they're not playing on back to back for that's sure not yeah, prime right KD. now. But I mean, when when he is playing, that's all that matters. When I watch him play, he looks like KD. He looks incredible. Yeah. yeah so no I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's there's so much in flux it's right now, man. We don't know. One. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't even know where the hell Kyrie is. Right. So you know, we know <laughs> Harden out of his mind. Yeah, we know Harden's bought in, but yeah, man, it's it's kind of a mess. But I still, I, that's just way too much talent for me to pick against them in the East right now. All right, and I know James Harden can't even join the team just yet. Not yet. Until the COVID other protocols, yeah. the book, yeah, they have a whole until season the, to figure it out. I guess uh, until the other guys that went to the Rockets passed their physicals, that's when he can actually yep. join. Right. A lot of moving pieces. There's four teams involved. Yeah, in this. man. Victor Oladipo. It's crazy. Yeah. He, I always thought he was a good player. I like Oladipo. When he's healthy, he's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's, he's a good player. I he's like him incredible. in OKC. Good two-way player. Yeah. I like him in OKC. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is a quote from uh, – or a tweet from uh, from Woj. I'm, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with the Woj. Woj mm-hmm. mom. Yeah, it's, it, it, and I quote, Significant discussion on league's call with general managers – managers today about expanding rosters by allowing a third two-way contract slot this season this whole conversation allowing a third two-way contract because i think they're allowed two right now if i'm not mistaken uh came because in the last week they've have they've had to postpone 12 nba games and obviously uh with the recent one that got rescheduled uh i believe the wizards i I think it was the wizards yeah Yeah. to monday i believe if Mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken so teams are are wanting to to get a, a bigger roster, being able to get more people, more yeah. players in order for to avoid this kind of situation. So I want to get your thoughts on that. The the thing about it, it really comes down to, and I'm sure all, every single team is going to ask this question: Is it going to fuck up their luxury tax? Like it, you know, you, you know, there's so many teams that go above the luxury tax, and if it isn't going to cause any more problems yeah there i think teams are going to sign up on this because they're going to want to expand i think every nba team if they had their way they would expand the rosters naturally 15 man rosters only i think 12 can be active at a time if i'm not mistaken uh you you definitely want to have more options to come off the bench and you obviously have your g league guys that you can call up if need be um i'm i'm the thing i'm worried about is, is and not to go away from your question but it kind of answers it in its own way the thing I'm biggest I'm biggest worried about is how many COVID issues they're having at the NBA level right now. I mean, you're talking about 
one extreme to another. At the bubble, they had zero tested positive. Since they've been doing it where they're just traveling here and there, I mean, you're talking 40, 50 positive tests that we know of. So I don't know how the season's going to really go th- go through unless they start putting more mandates on things with teams. Uh, that's going to be tough to do midseason as well. Got a lot of players speaking out against that already, though. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem that they're facing now. So yeah. I really feel like this two-way contract stuff and adding players to, to rosters is kind of on the back burner because the guys they have on rosters currently – are the ones they got to be worrying about. I, I there's a lot of puzzle pieces jumbled together right now for the NBA to put together. I, I just don't know how they're going to really pull together. So to answer your question, I have no idea, Eddie. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I have the, no idea. This well, the problem out. is that the hand might be forced if they keep having COVID issues and they they can't keep postponing games. Basketball, with the NBA, the NBA just keeps moving along. It's not baseball. You can't have double headers, you right. know. So, it, I mean, obviously the NFL is a whole other beast. You can't, it's, it's they did as good as they could this season and they pulled it off. But the NBA, man, there's so many games, you know, there's each team is playing multiple games per week. Um, so post-winning games is that can't continue. So the G league calling up guys from the G league is probably going to have to be something more fluid than it was before to where they have guys, you know, you know, in the batter's box kind of ready to go. Um, if, if something does happen, they, they are going to have to work into some kind of extra depth, um, some extra guys in the chamber to, to put a, to put, to load up if, if need be, because that's just something they're going to have to do. They're going to have to bend, you know, uh, with with the times right now, and uh, we got you know guys like George Hill and other players coming out talking about how they're, you know, I'm a grown man. I can't you can't be telling me to stay in my house all day, which I totally get, man. It's been a fucking year since we've all had to isolate ourselves for the most part. You know, being a professional athlete and feeling like there was never really an off season with the bubble and pretty much taking a couple breaths and walking into the next season before you know it. So it's I I fully support these guys and, and the way they feel about it, man. Um, I felt like they should have done a regional type bubble thing where they still had some sort of bubble to kind of keep that that framing, but you know they decided to go against that. I feel like that would have worked out, but I mean, honestly, man, yeah, this is there's so much up, you know. And I and I at this point though, I think we should all trust Adam Silver to make the right decisions and and be you know as progressive as possible, figuring out and finding solutions. He's been he's shown to be good at that, so I think if, if the NBA is in his hands still, I think they'll figure it out. So. You kind of kind of touched on my next question. So, should the NBA to finish the season off do these type of bubbles, like regional bubbles? Is that like something the NBA has to look at now because of what's happening this past week? Yeah, looking at it is something they need to be doing now. The problem is that we should already been in a position. The NBA should have already been in a position where it was it was it was reality. Yeah. Um, because I agree with Trevor what he's saying about George Hill and these other guys speaking out about you can't tell me. Yeah. My thing is, it's like, look, in your profession, if something is required in order for you to do things the right Making way, millions of dollars. Yeah. You, you probably have to do it. So right. it's 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 either you play or you opt out. In my opinion, like, look. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. I understand George Hill. As a man, you want to go out and live your life. As a human, you want to go out and live your life. But if your profession requires you to hold on to certain standards, it's no different than anything else. It's like, okay, look at it in this sense. Let's let's bring it down, way down. Players throughout all leagues like smoking weed. But they know in some leagues, most leagues, almost all leagues, you're going to get tested throughout the season. So what do you do? You don't smoke through the season. In the offseason, when they don't test you, smoke all the fucking weed you want. But you can't sit here and go, well, I'm a cannabis enthusiast. You can't tell me. Yes, they can. 
Because by their bylaws, they can literally suspend you for this. Any other job, you get fired too. Exactly. So. <laughs> so that's that's the point in here. I hear you as a human at the human level. I get where George Hill's coming from. But now, with things going the way it is, I have a hard time believing the NBA is just going to finish their season off. Like Trevor said, you can't keep postponing games mm. and finish the season by the rate they're going with all these COVID tests. I feel like they're, they're going to have to regionalize I like this, have to, I think. But I think if they try to do some bubble thing now, I feel like that – the scheduling would have to have been a certain way to start the season. If, they were going, if yeah. it was going to be regional, they would have to completely redo the scheduling. That should have been the first So the I don't think That's they can do yeah. that now. Yeah. yeah so. Now they're just going to be like, okay, the headlights went out. We're going 85 right. from the country road. Let's see if we run into a cow. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where they, they're they at right can't, now. I don't think they can do that now. It's Now it's hindsight, but now they got to figure out where they're at from where they're at right now. So It's going to be tough for the NBA to finish that. No season. doubt. No doubt. All right, man. Now switching to the NFL. I want to get your thoughts on the on the Jets' new uh, head coach, Robert Sella. I, I I am a big big fan of his, uh, just from the most fundamental standpoint of being a coach and a man. I believe in. I've listened to interviews of his. I know his his workout regimen. I know how he takes care of his body. I respect so many things about him. Also, coming from a Lebanese community, being in the NFL as a minority is already tough in itself. Mm. Being a Lebanese man in the in the NFL, that's unprecedented. I don't think there's ever been a Lebanese coach in the NFL outside of Robert Silla. And now he's a head coach mm-hmm. in a humongous market. This is look, man, I thought Eric Bieniemy was gonna get this job. We we just had a full segment about Eric Bieniemy's situation. We thought Sela was gonna be in Detroit. I thought yeah, that was a slam dunk. Eddie, yeah. you know, we talked about this. He's from Hometown Michigan. He yep. went to Eastern Michigan as a tight end. You know, there's a lot of connections there. There's a Lebanese community. Even in he doesn't want to go there. Yeah. He, yeah, he didn't go there. So this is, I think this is a great opportunity for him. They're talking about Sam Darnold. Are they going to keep him? Are they going to use it as trade bait for the number two overall pick? I have all the confidence. Where I think he's going to be the type of guy that resurrects that franchise. I think they're going to keep Darnold there. I, I really think he's going to be the guy that resurrects that franchise. Why? Because having the last time the Jets were great or a really good franchise, a respectable franchise, they had what? A def- defensive-minded head coach. And I know we're in a league where it's offensive-minded and offensive-driven. But a lot of the top-tier head coaches in this league are defensive-minded head coaches. So I think he's going to fit that mold. I think he's going to be a Mike Tomlin-style head coach that drives and motivates grown men to give them give their all. Ron Rivera, same thing. That type of mentality is what I think Robert, Robert Sela has. And I think he's going to be that type of head coach that immediately you see. Maybe not in the win column. They may not go 9-7 and seven and 10-6 and six next season. But you will see a difference in how that team's culture is. I think he's that guy, and I think you're going to see that guy there for a very long time. Just turned 41 years old. Yeah, Very young head coach. I think he's got years as a head coach in this league. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I like the new trend, too, of a lot of young head coaches in this league. It's really starting to trend that way. We have, like I think, six guys that are in their 40s and a couple like in their high 30s. Sean McVay's 33. So saying, yeah, and, and what's his name? Green Bay. Kyle Shannon's 39. Right. Like, these guys are going to be around three, for a Yeah, there's three coaches time. in the NFL that are in their 30s. Cliff Kingsbury, who's going to get fired one day? Is, what, 38, 37? <laughs> yeah, like, these guys Cliff. are young, like man. Um, no, man, this this signing is great. Outside of him, uh, outside of Eric, Eric Bien-Ami, uh, this is the guy I want to see get an opportunity to lead a team. Um, and it's a good spot. I know Jets is frowned upon franchise right now, but they've just been ran poorly and coached poorly the last few years. So he's a guy that can demand a room. He's a guy that can demand a city. I think he can go out there. I think he's perfect. He's a he's a hard-nosed, loud-mouthed, very gritty type guy. I think he's perfect for that big market and uh, what Jets fans want because Jets, a lot of the great Jets teams are gritty, grimy defenses that win 
you know, in the trenches. So I think he's that perfect kind of guy to kind of set that tone again. Um, Gase was trying to go offensive and be, you know, crafty offensively, and it just was not working. I think he can definitely reshape uh, and, and revamp that confidence for Sam Darnold over there. I think he can definitely do some things. It's good to see, man. It's a good hire. Um, yeah, like I said, outside of the enemy, that was the guy I thought had the best shot at, at you know succeeding as a head coach. So we'll, we'll see what he can do over there. It's a, that's a lot of work to, get, to do over there. Oh, nice, nice. All right, next question. Let's see. Oh, I want to get your thoughts on the whole Urban Meyer to the Jaguars. <laughs> they kind of touched on that. Look, I, I love it for all the wrong reasons because this is 100% going to blow up in the Jaguars' face. And why I say that. Urban Meyer, let me preface this, and it's astoundingly great all-time head coach at the, at the college ranks. He won, what, three national championships, or four national championships, I believe, three with uh, uh, Florida and one with Ohio State. Incredible record. Uh, he, he, he knows quarterbacks like a motherfucker. Utah, he pumped out wins. He, everywhere he's gone at the college ranks, he's done incredible. He has zero NFL head coaching experience. He's in his mid to late 50s. And the biggest knock that I have on Urban Meyer is not his qualifications. It's not even my concerns about him at the NFL level. It's the fact this guy loses interest quicker than a, than a teenage kid. Like straight up. You get a kid a, a present at Christmas, a month later, they're done with it. That's Urban Meyer with his coaching jobs. Yeah, And, and he's had prestigious jobs. Well, you can get away with that in college. Yeah, Florida, Rotate Utah, bodies. Ohio State. Great landing jobs and he bowed out at every single place he went and i'm not again i don't want to we talked about this in the opening segment yeah i don't want to downplay illness i don't want to sit here and say he doesn't have any health concerns to me it's just really convenient by year three and four urban meyer's bowing out i just find it really hilarious that's worked out and the fact that the jaguars overspent on him all with the belief he's going to turn Trevor Lawrence into the next promising young quarterback, which he very well could. But can he coach and build a NFL team and roster? I don't believe he can. I don't think this is going to work. And I think in three years, the Jaguars are going to be another coaching search because by years, by age 60, Urban Meyer is going to be done again. He's going to retire again. And the Jaguars are going to be lost with, a, I think, a really good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And they're going to be without a vision again. This is a perfect marriage for be for it to be a divorce, if you if that makes sense to you guys. Mm-hmm. I think this is hilarious. I think the Jaguars absolutely screwed their future up with, by putting it into the hands of a man who has no desire to be there long term. In it's my a, it's a sexy pick. It's a, it's, it's a sexy pickup. It's a sexy signing. It's a big name. I don't really have a strong stance on it because I I, I want to kind of wait and see because I he, like you said he has no resume in the NFL and hasn't done it. So I mean coming into a team when you know you're most likely getting a, an elite quarterback talent and Trevor Lawrence as your guy to start your career in the NFL. That's a good, you know, landing pad to start from a launching pad to start from. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really interested to see how this works out, see how this plays out. Um, it's a great spot. I mean, in, in Florida, you know, Jacksonville, I know it's not the best spot as far as <laughs> overall, you know, franchise and the, any kind of success that franchise has ever had and what they do, you know, moving forward. But I think, He's got the chops. He's got the experience in, in certain ways. He's a, he's a championship coach. Not the, not the big times, but the guy knows his stuff. It's just a matter of, well, you know, can he can he hit the ground running in the NFL? Because that's what they're expecting. They're expecting him to hit the ground running. They're expecting Trevor Lawrence to hit the ground running when they draft him. 
you know, with the success that we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks, you know, like Herbert and Mahomes and all these guys, you know, they, the day they start, they're ready to go. They ball out. Lamar Jackson's all these young guys have come in and it just and played really, really well. I think they're expecting that with, with Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, I mean, it's exciting. I think it'd be cool. It's a cool story developing, you know, it's good news finally out of Jacksonville. This could be good news for them. I'm, I'm honestly really, really interested and intrigued to see how it plays out. I don't really have a strong stance on it either way, though. All right, interesting. Last question to you guys. How big of a loss is uh, uh, Nurkic to the Blazers for the next eight weeks? I believe he's he's out for the next eight weeks with a yeah, fractured broke, wrist. Broken wrist. Look, yeah. Nurkic is starting to creep into that injury-prone territory. He's missed a lot. He missed 70 games the year before. Yeah. Uh, he missed a ton of games last season, and now he's going to miss a ton of time this season. Extremely talented player. He's extremely valuable to the Blazers organization. Yeah. Uh, when he's on the court and he's off the court, you see a significant difference. He's a walking double-double. He's, yeah. an ama- he's an amazing talent. He's always hurt. This is a problem the Blazers have to really think about. I don't know what his current contract structure is, but I would imagine if they if they could find a way to get out of the Nurkic business, they would have to do so. Because I think he's now in his later 20s. He's starting to get to that place now where do you really want to – you know, spend future your future dollars into a guy who's going to get into his 30s eventually and is not going to be healthy all the time, not going to be available. Availability is everything in the world of sports. Damian Lillard fighting through injuries, half the size of Nurkic. Not trying to say Nurkic ain't trying. I'm just saying he's had some really bad luck when it comes to the health department. I have a hard time believing that he's going to be a long-term solution for them, even as a small, loyal area to players like they love their players up there important they're loyal that's what they got up there that's mm-hmm. their team i get that but eventually even the most loyal of teams have to realize this is a business at the end of the day is he a great business decision i don't think he is at this time yeah i mean he's definitely becoming injury prone um he's kind of been that since he's been in the league unfortunately um he's awesome when he's healthy um i, I honestly i don't think this is eight eight weeks will fly by in the nba um he'll he'll still have plenty of time to get at reacclimated once you know that'll be at around midseason if that so um yeah i mean i think it'd be fine i think they'll be fine i'm not really expecting too much out of portland anyways this year i mean i think they, they've been playing some good basketball um uh, especially damian lillard and, and mccollum they've been they've been balling out um but I mean, is anyone really worried about Portland as a threat? And, you know, is he the missing piece? He's he's their third best player, if we're being honest. Yeah, but I Portland's just not an important team right now. They're just not, if we're being real. They're just not. They have great names and talent and guys that have, you know, big games. But I'm just – Nurkic is, is, is a good player. Um, when he, when he, he's, he's very valuable and he's definitely, like, we, like you said, Lance, when the splits when he's on and off the court, it, it definitely matters. But he'll be back in a few, you know, a few to eight weeks. Um, and I think he'll be he'll be just fine. But I'm not expecting they're not a scary team heading into the postseason if they make it. All right, that is it for me. Good stuff, Eddie. I like the Eddie hour, man. He's fashionably late tonight, but he had some uh, <laughs> pre uh, I would say commitments that he had to attend to. But we're glad to have him back because we need to get to the meat of the show, guys. It is the divisional rounds. We have four humongous matchups this week. And we need to unpack these, and we need to make some some predictions. And I got an upset this week that I think you guys are going to be interested in. We'll get back to that after this. We are building it bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains. Casey Hemp Company. 
your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Let's get right into this, guys. We have the divisional round. We have the playoffs, or the playoffs in full swing, full motion. We have four big matchups this week. Let's start with the first game on the docket Rams at Packers. Eddie, I'm going to start with you. Right. I, I was going to give my initial predictions to start this off, but I'm, you know what? Let me let me let me let you guys warm this segment up a little bit. So let's start with Eddie. How do you see this game going, and who do you have winning this game? All right, man. I have in this game. I have uh, the Packers winning this one. Uh, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna have a great game out there. Uh, we honestly don't know if we're gonna get 100 percent Aaron Donald. Uh, we saw the, the they rip. said he's fifty percent at best probably exactly. Yeah. So we saw the 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 cut the rib fracture not fracture but the rib uh injury he had last he's got last bruised game. ribs. Yep. So that's gonna be tough for him to play out Just there. Just breathing that exactly. Shit hurts. Yeah. So um we have we have that going, and then you have your quarterback uh, Jared Goff with the fucking with a broken thumb. Yeah. Uh, we don't even know if uh he's probably gonna start or maybe they're Cooper gonna find Cubs a banged up. Yeah. I don't know if they're gonna find like a backup to start this game. Uh, I McVay might have to play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> the the injuries that these uh, that the Rams are dealing with are are two important players. Mm-hmm. If it were like those second string or third string, maybe you can you can still make the argument that they'll be competitive. But with Aaron Donald being hurt and at the most, like Trevor said, being fifty percent, mm-hmm. there's no way he's gonna put that pressure on on Aaron Rodgers like Aaron Donald should. And then with obviously Jared Goff not being at a hundred percent either with that broken thumb, right? That that's also yeah, he's already not, not good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they're going to Green Bay, yeah. uh, cold weather. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that surge is going to be. It's going to feel nice on uh, on Jared Goff on that thumb. It's going to be a little cold. So this is just a bad matchup for the for the Rams overall. I just yeah. think overall this is a bad matchup, and I'm going to go with the Packers by double digits. Yeah. Yeah, this game is honestly a layup for me. I think earlier when I first saw the matchup, I was like, hmm, maybe you know this this Rams defense can kind of give Aaron Rodgers some trouble. But this just feels like a classic Lambeau game. Aaron Rodgers is going to go do his thing nonchalantly. I think this is actually a big Aaron Jones game. I think Aaron Jones is going to eat that mm-hmm. defense alive. I think Aaron Jones is going to have multiple touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing and probably 50, 60 yards receiving. I think Aaron Jones is going to go off in this game um, because that's a banged up front right now. Um, I think Devontae Adams doesn't have to have a big game for them to win by double digits. I think it's going to be a slower game to start. I think the first half is going to be slow, like a 10 to 14 score or something like that. It'll be relatively close. And I think at the, at the second half, I think Aaron Rodgers is just going to figure it out, pick him apart. Aaron Jones is going to eat. They're going to get a little lead and let's let Aaron Jones is kind of, you know, milk that clock away. And I think they're going to get out of there. I think I, for me, this, this game was a layup. Um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is just going to do his thing. And I, I feel like they, I think double digits sounds good. I think they win by 10. Yeah, you know, the number one offense versus the number one defense. Banged up number one defense. It's, it's banged up it's number one defense. Banged up offense too for the Packers. 
How they're so? missing their best offensive lineman. They're yeah. missing. They're not. It's rare. It's, it's, I'm just saying. It's just rare to get. How these many types times of you got to watch Aaron, 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 Aaron Rodgers do this though? Yeah, the Packers <laughs> offense. I mean, they, this is been, why I think Aaron been, Jones is going to go off. The, I mean, they, the, their offense has been unstoppable. And if you want to throw out that one Tampa Bay game, I mean, they've been seamless. The LA year. team traveling to the icy, icy 30, cold. They've averaged the Packers averaged 30 points a game this season. Uh, the Rams allowing fewer than 19 points per game this season. The Packers are the glaring favorites, uh, but it isn't just because of who they are, but rather who the Rams are, in particular at quarterback. Uh, Jared Goff has not been good this season, even when healthy. Uh, he's gotten a broken thumb in his throwing hand, and if it weren't for the emergence of Cam Akers, the Rams' offense would have literally no life, uh, along with nice. the fact that yes. Cooper Cup is coming in with a knee injury and Aaron Donald has a rib injury. The Rams are banged up in certain areas. So why would we even be spending time on this matchup? Because of Aaron Rodgers, actually. There you go. The Rams have the number Don't one passing defense in the NFL. Don't do that. The last time. I can't wait to revisit this. Rodgers faced a top two passing defense. It was in the 2019 NFC Championship versus the 49ers. In that game, Aaron Rodgers threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns. That sounds good, right? Well, he also threw two interceptions, was sacked three times, and fumbled three times while getting blown out 37-20. to This season... Rodgers has faced three top 12 pass defenses, the Bucs, the Saints, and the Colts. Aaron threw three of his five interceptions in this season against those three teams. The Rams defense faced 548 pass attempts this season. Only allowed 17 passing touchdowns, which is the fewest in the league by far, four, four fewer than anybody else. Picked off 14 passes, holding opponents to a league-low 5.1-yard net yards per attempt with 53 sacks and a 47.4 expected points added just by the pass defense alone. That's 25 points lower than the second-place Steelers. The Rams are also adding healthy bodies to their defense with Jordan Fuller, Micah Pfizer, Sean Robinson, and Terrell Lewis. The Packers have the better quarterback, better offensive weapons, but they are facing a genius at head coach, and the toughest defense around. With the temperature low and possible snow involved, I think this is going to be a slower-paced, hard-nosed game that plays right into the Rams' favor. Aaron Rodgers is one of the three greatest quarterbacks ever, but has had real issues against elite defenses, especially in the playoffs. You cannot deny this. I am probably the only person east of Los Angeles that's going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I am picking the Rams, in a massive upset. Lambeau Field will be now known as Rambeau Field, baby. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am picking the Rams to win this game in the slightest of margins. It is going to happen, boys. Line it up, because I'm ready to hand out some L's. I love that your bias flips on Aaron Rodgers now that he's going to be the MVP. It has nothing. Exactly. I'm just doing yes. facts. Dude, if he wasn't the MVP, if he, was, if he wasn't the MVP was right now, you'd be like, oh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. What did I say, hey. boys, at the beginning oh, of the year? Aaron Rodgers is going to ball out. Fair. We're going to see yeah, the best Aaron Rodgers we've ever seen. Is that right? Yeah, now you're picking against him because he's taking pass Because he struggles against elite defenses. Was any of that opinion? Who doesn't struggle against an elite defense? Patrick Mahomes. Shut the fuck He's struggled against some good defenses yeah. here. Okay, well, we can get to that in a second because we have the best matchup, in my opinion, this week. The Bills at – or I'm sorry, the Ravens at Bills. Mm. Eddie, how's it going down? All right, man. Uh, I'm going with the better team. I'm going with the Bills in this one. Uh, I think they just have the better quarterback. They have the better offense, I, in my opinion. I think they have the uh, probably a better defense They've than the They've been the, the better Ravens. offense for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I just think that the Bills are a more complete team than the than the Ravens. The Ravens relied so much on the run. We saw it against the Titans. The Titans were able to handle the run a little bit, but we saw when those uh the pocket opened, uh, uh Jackson was just getting through through there and mm. just eating yards. It's eating a yards. terrible defense over there. They were holding their own for a little bit. Yeah. I'll give them that. Yeah, they, were able to, they were able they to stop the, the run. They 20 points. Yeah, they were yeah. able to stop the run. They were uh, in some some locations. They were able to get those three and outs. Uh, but the Ravens kept doing it, kept doing it. And uh, for some reason, the Titans just gave up and said, hey, you know, Jackson, how about, how about <laughs> yeah. you run a 40-yard touchdown? Take me, daddy. Here, take yeah. it. You know, here, here. They were giving him, uh, you know, some, uh, some, some payback exactly. in the right way for what happened last <laughs> exactly. season. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, we beat you at uh, your house. <laughs> but I think the Bills' defense can 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 really put that pressure to uh, to Jackson. I think Jackson Jackson is going to struggle in Buffalo. Uh, I don't think the weather is going to be a big factor because they do play in Baltimore. Baltimore is almost the same weather as mm. Buffalo. I take it or leave it. Take yeah. it or leave it. It's going to be cold. Uh, so weather might not be a big factor, uh, but I do think that the better team, the more complete team, uh, the better quarterback is going to win this one. I'm not saying this is going to be a double-digit win, but I, I know for a fact they're they're going to win. The Bills are going to win. I'm picking the Ravens. Uh, I think the Ravens' defense is clicking right now. Um, I think that Ravens' defense is very good against the run, even though the Bills don't run very good, but they're also very good at generating pressure. Um, and they were doing that really good last week against a, t- a very good mobile quarterback in Tannehill. Um, he's not as mobile as Josh Allen, but he's a very good decision maker, and he was still making the mistakes against that defense. And that yes. secondary was playing really well. Marcus Peters was playing a lot more tighter than he normally does. He plays a little more loose some, sometimes. Marcus Peters was holding his own uh, against some very good receiving core over there in Tennessee. So I, I'm, I know Stephon Diggs is a different level, a, and that connection with him. And, and Yeah, I get it. Him and Josh Allen's connection has been up there with the best this year, if not the best um, with their numbers. Um I, this one is definitely a toss-up. I'm not going to act like the Ravens are just going to win this game. I think it's going to be a nail-biter. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I felt the other way last week against Tennessee, which everyone thought that game was going to be high-scoring, but I felt that was going to be more of a grimy, grimy game, which it was. This game, I feel differently. I think Lamar is going to have to you know, just kind of open it up, and I think Harbaugh is going to let Lamar just do what he does. And I think Lamar is going to use his legs not only to run, but to open up and extend plays and find you know guys like Hollywood Brown downfield. Um, uh, and his tight ends downfield because they, they use they use like two three tight ends a lot of times yeah. in their sets. So I I think I think there's going to be a similar type game to how it was with the Browns. You know that electric game. Both teams are just at each other's like throats, shoot out. I think it's going to be a super entertaining game. I think both teams score thirty plus, um, but I have the Ravens edging it out. Um, I don't really know how. I don't have a result on how it gets there. I just think I just have I'm giving the Ravens the edge there. I'm taking the Rams in this one too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, the, the, both these teams are coming in insanely hot. Yeah. They, uh, in their last 14 games combined, they're 13 and one. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're they're the hottest teams in the NFL. Um, the Ravens win their games off the strengths in Lamar's legs and their stout defense, a defense that blitzes on 41 percent of their snaps, which yep. is the highest number in the league by far. Crazy. That usually bodes well uh, for the flock against most opponents because most quarterbacks can't handle that kind of pressure. Unless, of course, you're facing the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah. And we've seen the way Mahomes has handled and dismantled the Ravens' pass rush. Well, no one in the league this season has faced more blitzes than Josh Allen. In fact, he has dominated the blitz uh, by leading the league with 17 passing touchdowns versus the blitz. Now, when it comes to Lamar's legs, he not only looks unstoppable, but the Bills' defense really struggles with mobile quarterbacks, giving up over almost 40 rushing yards per game to quarterbacks and have given up six 
rushing touchdowns to Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. Mm. None of those guys, no offense to any of them, they're all mobile in their own right. They're really, really great great athletes. None of them are Lamar Jackson when it comes to running in open space. No one. I think Lamar is going to have another 100 rushing yard game and keep this game close throughout. Where this game comes to a head for me and where I'm drawing my pick is in the situational plays. Lamar has had games throughout his career, or even last week when he's been equally great on the ground as he was awful in the air. You can get away with that against an inferior opponent in the Titans. You cannot do that against Josh Allen, in my opinion. I trust Josh Allen more in the tight spots in regards to making the big throw than I do Lamar Jackson. I think that goes without say. And the Ravens have the better defense, but with the defense and Lamar's self-admitted kryptonite being Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think Josh Allen and the Bills can and will be their Achilles heel. I'm going to give the Bills a very slight edge in this one. Mm-hmm. With all the factors considered, just with the matchup aside, I think the Bills are going to get this one. And I actually do agree with you. I think this is going to be a very close game. Now let's get to the game that let's. we all care about the most. Chiefs hosting the Browns. Eddie, how do you see it going, man? This game has been the toughest for, for me to pick who the winner is. Uh, I think both teams are coming in hot. Mm. Uh we do have the Chiefs uh, having a, a two-week, pretty much a two-week two-week bye. Uh, the Browns have been playing good football. But I'm just going to go for the better team uh, on paper and overall. I just think the Chiefs are, are going to are gonna win this game. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a field day. Uh, yesterday we saw him like the tweet by OBJ <laughs> mm-hmm. saying that uh, we're going to win and don't be surprised <laughs> or whatnot. The old Birdman meme. Rubbing his hands, you're, yeah. You're, you're just feeling the you're huh. just feeling the best QB in Poke the league. The bear, right now. my guy. Yeah, poking the bear like like Lance uh, yep. like Lance said. Don't do that. And, and obviously, Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill are gonna feed off of that. They're gonna feed off that uh, off of that. You know, they they like the challenge. They feed off of that shit for some reason. The Browns do have a probably the best running game in the in the game. Best duo for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 there's no question about it. Uh, the Chiefs have struggled against the run, but I mean that last year's defense struggled against the run. But in the games that matter the most and stopping the run, mm. they're able to stop the run. How I don't know. They're able to like tackle. <laughs> mm. They're able to tackle runners. Uh, we saw it last year against Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry only uh, rushed for like 60 yards after coming from like three straight 200-yard rushing games. That's mm-hmm. fucking incredible. Uh, so I do think the Chiefs are going are gonna to outplay, outplay the Browns. I think the Browns are way too happy with the one victory they got in the playoffs. <laughs> I think they're, they're comfortable. And As they should be. But. Yeah, I think they're, they're being a little way too cocky too soon. So... I think it's going to come to an end this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I like it. Um, as I stated, like a couple last two episodes when we've, we've hinted at and been chomping at the bit to get to Chiefs playoffs talk. I've said it. My mentality and, I, and I, the way I feel about what their mentality is going to be coming out into these games and every game in the postseason is similar to how, how we felt coming out in that Bucks game. Um, just open the floodgates from the jump. Um, I, it's, that's how I'm expecting the chiefs to, to come out this, to start this postseason. The chiefs are going to destroy the Browns. It's going to, and I, if I didn't fuck up the audio with, with Ron, the show, that's on me. If I didn't fuck that up, you guys would hear him agreeing with me because he said the same exact thing. And I, I, I 
he stole my thunder if, if we had the audio, which we don't. So he didn't steal my thunder. So my thunder, <laughs> my, no thunder my thunder is still, my thunder is still intact. I, I, I think that from the jump, the chiefs are going to just run amok. We're going to fuck the Browns up, dude. They Kareem Hunt wants to come out and talk about it. it's personal. We got OBJ on the sidelines, you know, from his pooper. And I'm not talking about him on the toilet. If you know what I mean? Someone, you know, on top of him, you know, anyways, tweeting, you know, don't be surprised if they win. It, come on, man! Like you guys, you guys made the playoffs. You guys got your dub against a a a, a, a rumbling, tumbling team that stumbled into the playoffs like a like a drunk uncle against the Steelers. Congratulations, Congrats- 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 Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, I, and and I and I love the Browns coming in. I picked them, and I, I was I was very confident in that pick. I was glad they won. They won big. Um, but this is where that this is where that road comes to an end, man. The Chiefs are about to lay. It's Arrowhead. We're open in the postseason. Arrowhead. It's going to be rocking with the fans we have in there. It's going to be nice and cold. I, I just, I think the Chiefs are going to win by twenty plus, dude. I think we're going to blow it open from the jump. They're going to be trailing. They're not going to be comfortable. They're not going to be able to depend on the running backs from the jump. Baker's going to make a lot of mistakes. Baker's going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm seeing a couple picks, maybe a couple fumbles. I think Baker just has a, a bad game. And I think this defense, and I think Tyra Matthews is going to be spying him and reading his eyes all day. Because once, if you didn't know anything about Baker, he does not go through his reads very well. If he doesn't have the play action, if they're not getting the running game going, he's dependent to, to go through read number one, read number two, read number three. He'll stare his guys down all the time, which is why I know he hasn't thrown a lot of picks throughout the, throughout the last few games this season because the running games has just been going off and they've been playing with the lead a lot of times. Um, so I, I don't, he's not going to have that, 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 you know, he's not going to have that this game. I think, I think we're going to run it up. Right from the jump, similar to we did the way we did against the Bucks, but Tom Brady led that Bucks team to a comeback and damn near made it a very interesting game that week. And Baker's not Tom Brady. Baker doesn't have the weapons that Tom Brady has through the air. Jarvis Andrew doesn't scare me. The running backs scare me, but only with only with they have a a, a, com, a, com, a comfortable lead on us. That's when those running backs really scare me. They can run all day on us, but if we have a twenty point lead the whole game, I'm not worried about it. We're going to destroy the Browns. I waited all week uh, for this game. Uh, not because I wanted to – and usually, man, I, going into a week, I, I get so excited to break it down analytically, break down facts like I did for these first two matchups we talked about tonight. Honestly, though, I was just ready to get to this one because I'm actually 100% on board with what Trev's saying. Um, this game has nothing really to do with the Browns. I don't think that this is a big story. I think that it's incredible that they, after 18 years, they finally got here. They got a playoff win. Not just a playoff win, but against their biggest rival, the team they've hated the most because they, the Steelers just dominated them for two decades. Um, it, it's really awesome to see that, and I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that seriously. I'm so glad to see Kareem excelling. I'm, he's, one, I'm, he's one of my favorite players. No doubt. To see Kareem Hunt out there doing great things and to see this team going out there and and, and the city of Cleveland being able to enjoy sports again because I can't imagine how rough it's been to not have LeBron and then have LeBron, not have LeBron, have LeBron. Oh, then we don't have him again. <laughs> the Browns have been terrible for the majority of our lifetime. Like It's really cool to see. The Chiefs completely outclassed the Browns. In every single way. There's tears and, of this and, shit. And, well, and, and, the, and the Browns do have a significant advantage of the run game, but so did the Titans last year in the AFC Championship. So did a lot of teams. So, so did a lot of teams. So the Ravens. Yeah. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and who did the Chiefs own more than in, more the Ravens? Nobody. They they own the Ravens more than anybody. Literally, Patrick Mahomes has stock on the Ravens. Like, he beat he, he bought the Royals and the Ravens on the same day. I mean, I swear it's 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 been that bad. And, um. You know, everyone talks about, well, how do you game plan against the Chiefs? There really isn't one. Mm-mm. You you don't have – there's no real way to beat the Chiefs. You just have to hope they help you get there. That's how they do it. That's how you beat the Chiefs. You got to hope that they get it They get it done for you. 
And that's not going to happen this week because the Chiefs not only have been rested and well-equipped and ready to go for this game and have been fully prepared. We've heard about the obsessive game film studying that Patrick Mahomes has been doing, which is 100% true. It's the fact that the Chiefs have been listening to all these people talking about they're not blowing teams out. They're not getting things done the right way. Meanwhile, they've won 23 of the last 24 starts by Patrick Mahomes. It, 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 it's all the absurdity that I think the Chiefs are going to take this out on the Browns. I feel bad for the Browns, quite frankly, because <laughs> I feel like they're going to be the ones that receive all of that that the Chiefs have been ready to unleash. Walking and it's, it's going to be un- – yeah, they're going to be unleashing hell. Yeah. Um, the, I guess if you want to really break things down – the way the Browns can really get this done, they have to score at least 29 points. Because in Patrick Mahomes' career, and I'm talking playoffs included, yep. the Chiefs are 36-1 and when they hold their opponent to 28 or fewer points. The only time they've lost a game with holding their opponents under 28, 28 points or fewer was the Colts last season without Tyree Kill and injured Patrick Mahomes without Eric Fisher. They had a lot of discre- deficiencies in that game. Not excuse, no excuse. The Colts won that game fair and square. I'll give that to them. But one time in 37 games that they've held opponents under under 28 points, unless the Browns are going to do that, they have no shot in this game. The Chiefs are going to unleash hell on the offensive side. The defense is well-rested. They've got Anthony Hitchens back. Tyron Matthews playing his best football of his career, and that's saying something. Chris Jones, Frank Clark are healthy. Unless the Browns just go out there and have an A-plus game, not just effort, because they're going to give their effort. Yeah. Unless they have an A-plus game, there really isn't going to be much of a game in this one. I'm I'm fully anticipating this to be a blowout, just like Trevor is. Yep. Final matchup of the week, Saints host the Bucks. Eddie, how's it going? Well, it's going pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now to the game. <laughs> yeah, no, this one's easy for me. I, 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 I didn't dig in too, too much into this one because – we we seen him play twice this this season already. Mm. We saw what Brady is made of when he faces a good defense. This Saints defense is still a good defense. It's, it's yeah, great defense. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's probably one of the best in in all the, way around in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, you can you can say the Rams are the number one defense or not, but they're banged up. That's an argument that yeah. the Saints have the best defense in the so, so yeah, this, it's an argument. One of the best and, pressure defense, oh, too. Yeah. And Tom Brady, we've seen Tom Brady score only three points on this defense. We've seen him. And it was in the fourth quarter, by yeah. the way. I, I think it's five. <laughs> he threw five like 45 like, times and only put up three I, points. Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah. He, threw, he threw five picks to this <laughs> yeah. defense, I think. Five or six picks to these defense. Yeah. That was more than, like, almost more than half of his interceptions this season. Yeah. This defense has probably gotten better since they played in those two games. Mm-hmm. The, Tom Brady hasn't faced any kind of defense like this in the playoffs. I don't think he has. No. Well, the the the, the Washington football team is a really good defense. They were just young the, and out there. That's Straight a really up. good defense no, up front. Their corners really going to compare no, no, to the no, Saints. No, absolutely Come on, not. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Brady has struggled day in day out against co- a good competition, and, and though the Saints <laughs> do struggle at quarterback because their quarterback is not. As it mattered, no. he's not he's not good anymore. We'll just put it out there; he's just not the same. <laughs> he's okay. Yeah, he's not the same Drew Brees. Uh, but what they do to the Bucks for some reason that Bucks defense just likes to give uh, Drew Brees like a field day. You know, yeah. like he they let him have fun. Yeah, Drew Brees is a little banged up, but I don't think that's going to matter much. I, I think Alvin Kamara is going to come in this game and dominate. I think Michael Thomas, since he's back, he's going to come Michael back. Michael Thomas going to eat. He's going to dominate this yep. game. I just do not see the bugs pulling this one out. I I don't see it. I 
tried many, many, many times, but I just don't see I just don't see how they can beat this this team. Uh I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh they're gonna have to probably blow they're gonna have to trade blow for blow against the against the Saints and I don't think they're capable of doing that. So yeah. I'm gonna go with the Saints on this one. Okay. Yeah, I mean I don't see Tom Brady putting up three points again. Uh, I definitely, I definitely see him putting he up 20, 20 plus. I think, no, I think he's going to put up twenty plus because he's got his whole outside of Ronald Jones, who's a question mark going into this game. He's got his all his weapons. He's got Mike Evans. He's got everybody. He's got Godwin. Um, so that's that's a legitimate scary offense when they're healthy. But sometimes things are what they are. Just like if this was the Chiefs and the Ravens facing off, I think we know who we're going with. I think yeah. we know who the masses are going to go who with. There's just matchups make <laughs> fights. Matchups make fights, and this is a bad matchup. The worst it's shown. The worst matchup for Tom Brady. Right, so this defense, these corners, these safeties, and Cam Jordan loves to get Tom Brady. He likes to get a little taste every single time, and he's this team is going to be amped. You don't think the coaching staff or they're in Saintsville are going to want it? They're going to want to get it. So I, I'm fully expecting a Saints win here. I think the Saints are offensively are going to be dominant. I think Drew Brees is going to put up some points. I think Drew Brees is going to have a really good game. I think Michael Thomas is going to eat. I think Michael yes. Thomas is getting a couple couple touchdowns. I think they can they can contain Alvin Kamara a little bit because that's a very if not the best rush defense in the league. I'll give the Bucks that. That rush defense has been nails all all year long against really good uh, running backs. You, don't forget, he's still a, a great receiver. Yeah, uh, but they might be down to Leonard Fournette, and that's it. If Ronald Jones doesn't play, that's a big deal for them because that that's that's their bruiser back, and Leonard Fournette has been the kind of the, the scat back pass pass catching guy. So, I, I think I think the Saints pull it out. I think it'll be a tight game most of the way, but I think the Saints. I think the Saints put up thirty plus and get the victory. If I told you that a quarterback going into this game was zero two, completing sixty one percent of his passes, two hundred twenty four yards per game, two touchdowns, five interceptions with a fifty nine quarterback rating, that that guy would have a legitimate shot of beating the team he's going up against? Would you call me crazy? Maybe. Yeah, I would call. <laughs> I would call that guy fucking crazy. Maybe because. Yeah. Tom Brady has been very good against bad teams this year. Let me just uh, throw this little number out to you guys so that way you guys fully understand where I'm coming from when it comes to Tom Brady because of the fact that I feel that things are a little skewed with his numbers this season over the last five weeks. They're on a five-game winning streak, the Bucks are. The opponents that they've gone against record-wise, 7-9, and 4-12, 5-11, 4-12, and 7-9. None of those are the Saints. And the two worst games of Brady's season by far – have been against the Saints. I don't really think we need to dig into this too deeply, guys. I think that the Saints are going to take care of business. The secondary for the Buccaneers is going to get torched. You have a healthy Michael Thomas, which they did not have in both of these matchups previous. It's a different Saints team. I think Drew Brees is as healthy as he's been in seven, eight weeks. Tom Brady's going to get sent home packing early, guys. I really think that's how this is going to go. I, I, I'm with you guys. I think this is going to be a double-digit victory for the Buccaneers once, or for the Saints. Whoa, whoa. I'm not doing a twist whoa, here. Whoa. I'm not doing a Rams here. Oh, shit. Yeah, but I, that, that's how I see this one going down. Uh, it's going to be a little anticlimactic. I don't think it's going to be as close as Trevor may think. I think it's actually going to be a 10-point victory mm. for the for the Saints this time around. And they're going to get that playoff choke artist thing off their back for once yeah. over the last several years. This is big for Sean Payton. Get back themselves to the NFC Championship. So you got the Rams again. Saints. In the, so I have the Rams oh. Saints in the NFC Championship. Ooh, you cool. guys have the Saints and Packers. Yes. On uh, the AFC Championship, I have the Chiefs and Bills like I predicted from the beginning of the season. I have Chiefs and Bills. You have Chiefs and Bills and Trevor has Chiefs Ravens, yep. which yep. I would actually love. So, <laughs> oh, baby. So we're going to get done with this, guys. Let us know what you guys have as far as your predictions are concerned. We'll give you guys our score predictions tomorrow on the Spoken Group, but we're going to get to the Monday mailbag and get what you guys got going. We'll get back to that after this.
Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is... We give you guys the opportunity, the platform to basically just take over the show for an entire segment. Whatever you guys are heated on, what do you want to debate, whatever, whatever you want to discuss, whatever you guys got, we give this time to you. So it is your time, and for, without further ado, we're going to get into the Monday Mailbag. Now, I will preface this by stating that I have been left alone for these final two segments. That's correct. My guys, Trevor Twidwell, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Eddie Ortiz, have both decided that it's more important to do anything else than to sit here and open up the Monday mailbag with our viewing and listening audience. I know, I couldn't believe it myself either, but here we are, alone, alone, in our lonesome, with Lance Twidwell. And I hope that doesn't creep you guys out, because I promise you, I'm not that bad. But nevertheless, nevertheless... We make this happen. We make this We make this what it is. It's you guys after all. I mean, we don't even need anybody else. You don't even need me. You guys are the ones that discuss this stuff out. I'm just here to give you my reactions to it. So let's start with our guy, Billy Hodge. And I'm really surprised that Eddie did not want to at least get this one fired off because that's his guy after all. Mr. Billy Hodge asks the simple question. Will we have a complete O-line? Well, Billy, I, I I would like to know what the definition of a complete O-line is. Are we going to have five bodies out there in the offensive line for the Chiefs uh, on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely would bet on the fact that Chiefs are going to have five offensive linemen in front of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as far as complete is concerned, in the in the in the in the way of it being a safe offensive line, a, a complete offensive line that we would prefer to have out there. No, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to have an ideal. Uh, complete offensive line. But I do believe that they're going to have guys out there that they have to put out there by default because this offensive line has struggled with injuries and opt-outs. When you have those two things, it makes the job for your quarterback that much harder. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes have to carry this offensive line throughout the entire season, especially after Mitchell Schwartz went down, which I believe was week five of the Oakland Raiders. But he didn't look good all season. So I, I, I definitely think that you're going to see an offensive line out there that is as good as it could possibly be, if that answers your question. Moving to our guy, uh, Brian Herbert. He asked the question, what position or group is under the most pressure of, on the Chiefs? Frank Clark and the D-line needs to turn it up, in my opinion. Well, I think that you kind of answered the question a little bit right there, Brian, because of the fact that I do think the most pressure is on the D-line because we, we all know what Patrick Mahomes and this offense is going to bring. Uh, since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, in the playoffs in his five games, they've not scored under 31 points. Um, I don't think that that streak's going to end anytime soon. I think this offense is going to put up high amounts of offense or high amounts of scoring. That's a high-octane offense. It's it's bound that this team's going to find the end zone several times in each and every game, which means that it's it's left up to the defensive line. If, if you remember, ironically enough, it was the defensive line that kept the Chiefs from getting to the Super Bowl in the 2018 AFC Championship with D4 lining up off sides. So, yeah, Frank Clark with his contract, with Chris Jones and his contract, and them both. I would say Chris Jones had a much better season than Frank Clark, but both to their own standards had underwhelming seasons. 
I think that it, it's all going to hinge upon whether they can get to uh, Baker Mayfield in particular with this matchup because of the fact that the Browns' offensive line is very much above average, and it's a very respectable offensive line, banged up or not. They have a very respectable and, and, and an offensive line that can protect Baker Mayfield. Steelers have, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year in T.J. Watt uh, and a great front seven, and they got zero pressures on Baker Mayfield last week in Pittsburgh. Chiefs are going to have to bring it on the defensive line uh, side of things, and I think that's where the pressure resides. Donnie Couch asks, <clears throat> Hey, guys, I know I haven't asked a question in a while. I've been really busy with life. Has been uh, with really busy life has been going at me fast. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers? And how, how good are their front court going to be with the addition of Jared Allen? I think they will have the best front court in the NBA. I, I I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Donnie. I don't think they have the best front court. I think they got a young, respectable one that's coming up. The Cavaliers are a mess as a franchise when LeBron James isn't isn't there. He's never going to return to the the Cavaliers. I don't want to say never because we I thought he would never return the first time, and he did. Um, so maybe he'll go there at the tail end of his career with his son, Bronny, if Bronny ends up getting drafted by them, which would be the most ironic thing in the history of sports. Um, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's respectable. Jared Allen's a very good one dimensional player. He's an incredible rim protector. Um, it just, to me, I just don't really put any stock in the Cavs as a whole. So I, I have a hard time entertaining that thought of them being the best at anything other than being the worst. Uh, but I hope everything's going good with you, Donnie. You do have some follow-up questions. What are your thoughts on the Lakers' depth right now? And what interior defense piece could they grab to solidify the interior paint defense or the or of that lineup and bench? Uh, when it comes to the – I'll answer the, the second part of that question first. The defensive pieces aren't really, I think, a concern for the Lakers. Not that they're not you – know, you know, they couldn't get better. I just don't think this team has really any holes – I mean, maybe they can actually, if we want to get technical, they can add maybe another shooter. Because as it currently stands, LeBron James is their best shooter, overall shooter on this on this uh, this uh, roster. I think Wesley Matthews is up there. He'll give him a run for his money, but he's just a role player. It's hard for me to imagine I would take him to take a shot over LeBron James in any instance. Um, the depth right now for the Lakers is insane. I, I was talking to Trevor before the show tonight. I think that... It's going to be hard-pressed for the Lakers to even find competition as the season progresses and they get into the playoffs. I'm not sitting here saying there ain't other other good teams. There are other good teams in the, NFL, in the NBA. The Lakers, to me, are the only great team. Not just because they're the defending champions, but they got better. That, that team as a whole got better. So I, I don't see anybody in the West that's going to give them any real competition. I don't see anybody in the East that's going to give them any real competition. I know Trevor and Eddie are, are bigger on the Nets than I am. But that's because the fact that the Nets can't guard anybody. They're not going to guard anybody. They can rack up some points and they can give they'll have some fun. But can you imagine LeBron James going up against that lineup? How many how many triple doubles he would have in that series? It would be absurd. Uh Donnie has another question. With LDT set to return next year, do you believe he will be even better next year with another year off of injury to rest up, or do you think we should draft one more guard? I, I'm not so sure that LDT is coming back. And that's not just from what I'm hearing, which I have heard that, that he is entertaining retirement because he found his passion, guys. He's a doctor uh, by nature. He's He was born with physical you know, gifts that made him a football player, and I think he does love football. But there's, there's a calling to uh, LDT's uh, path that he's taken. And I think that's what's uh, – I think that's what – I think that's the path he's going to continue on. It does. If he comes back, would he be good? Yeah, I think he'd be good, but I don't think he'd be better than ever. It's been a few years since LDT's been at his best. 
Uh, his injuries did catch up to him. He had a severe leg injury with that. They snapped his leg and he was gone for, I think, eight, nine weeks. It, it's just hard for me to imagine that the best of LDT's career is going to be coming into his 30s, and he will be, I believe, 30 next season, if not 29. But I just don't I don't see LDT coming back. And if he does, I don't think the Chiefs will be uh be getting the best from him. And I definitely do believe the Chiefs will be drafting interior offensive linemen. Um, I would love to see them go out and get Brandon Scherf from Washington. That's that's a big a free agent want of mine. But yes, they should absolutely be drafting interior offensive linemen. And they should definitely do it multiple times in this next year's draft. Donnie's final question: Do the Nets have enough defensive presence in order to make up for the shortcomings of the bench? Absolutely not, Donnie. Absolutely not. Brian Herbert has another question. He says the UFC is airing on ABC Saturday, and it's Max Holloway versus Calvin Gattar. Will you be watching? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Not that those aren't intriguing matchups. I'm, football's just going to be on my mind, so I'm going to go with no. Billy Hodge asks a couple more questions to wrap up the Monday mailbag. He says, or he asks, rather, is it wrong that I'm happy EB hasn't got hired to be a head coach? EB, I'm assuming, to be Eric Bieniemy. I just want him to stay, but at the same time, he deserves to be a head coach. No, Billy, I don't think it's wrong to be a Chiefs fan and, and happy that you're retaining somebody that is really good at their job. Um, I just think it's sad. I, I just think it's very disappointing that even if it isn't a racial thing, the fact that that is, that is a legit speculation is the sad part to me. I think it's sad that we still live in a world where that is a real thing, where men that have spent decades, literally decades, involved in a sport are still having to fight to get what they deserve because of the way they look, because of their skin color. I just, I think, I think it's absolutely sad. I mean, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy got jobs instantaneously as the OC of the Chiefs, and that was before they even won a Super Bowl. Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs that won the Super Bowl, and he's still looking for a job. Now, again, there is the theory that I have put out there, and maybe others share it as well. Maybe Eric Bieniemy is is being choosy. Maybe he's maybe he's the reason why this hasn't happened yet, and he's deciding to wait for the right spot. Maybe he's got a giant job lined up. Maybe the Chargers have hit him up. I have no idea. All I do know is there's a glaring problem. It's so bad that there had to be a rule put in place where they where teams had to interview a minority uh, coach uh, 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 coaching candidate. It's sad. It's pathetic, and that's that's where we're at still, unfortunately, in the year 2021. Billy's final question to wrap this thing up. I wonder if Eddie is going to pick the Browns this week. One more thing. Lance is a freaking genius on his predictions. I did not make up that last part, guys. You can go look it up on the Monday Mailbag on our Facebook page. That is literally what Billy Hodge did state at the end. And honestly, Billy, I couldn't agree more. I did initially, before the season started, I had my four, uh, I had my, my, uh, my, my final two teams. I had the final four matchups in the AFC. I had the Chiefs taking on the Browns and I had the Bills taking on the Ravens and I had the, uh, Chiefs and Bills advancing in those matchups. And I had the Ravens beating the Titans in the wild card round. So yeah, I, I, I'd say that things have been pretty, uh, pretty nice for me on this end. Um, but Eddie did not pick the Browns, even though he did say that he thinks the game's going to be decent. It was tough for him to pick. Eddie ended up, if you did listen to our matchup uh, segment, he did actually pick the Chiefs. So, Billy, you can you can keep, you can put the knife down and not assault Eddie in any way. But that is the Monday mailbag. 
Usually we get more opinions and more viewpoints, but again, guys, it is solo dolo in the spoken studios for myself right now. So it was a little bit more brief, but nevertheless, I really do appreciate the questions that you guys did submit because holy shit, man, those are good ones, man. And I am very much looking forward to the next week's uh, set and series of the Monday mailbag, but we have one more order of business to attend to. It is called hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. What we like to do each and every week is give out some friendly or not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports. Regardless if they're friendly or not, I, I promise you that whoever in the world of sports is holding the L from us this week is very much deserving so. So since I am by myself, I'm going to give you guys a quick L and then maybe uh, go off on a little tangent at the end of this uh, show. But for me... When it comes to an L being held out this week, or handed out this week, rather, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's a pretty easy, kind of low-hanging fruit type of L that should be handed out, and so I'm going to just go ahead and do that. There are many teams in the world of sports that have had inconsistencies with success. There's been plenty of teams that are just consistently successful because they know how to build a winning organization from top to bottom. And back to those teams that don't, they usually always find a way to fall back in line with losing and not being successful on a consistent basis. The Philadelphia Eagles are definitely one of those teams. And it's because of decisions like the one they made just this last week by firing their head coach, Doug Peterson. And let me, of course, start it out by saying that I I don't believe that Doug Peterson has done a great job over the last couple seasons. I think he's made some very questionable decisions. I think that he's had some pretty shaky, inconsistent play calling. I, I don't even know if he's actually a great head coach to begin with. But the Philadelphia Eagles have been a team that, again, has had a history of failures and and and, and heartbreak and to a point where it, it almost became a lovable loser Chicago Cubs pre-2016 type of situation. And then Doug Peterson came along. Carson Wentz came along. Nick Foles came along. And now they have a statue. Think about this. 2017 season, the Philadelphia Eagles win their first ever Super Bowl with Doug Peterson not only at the helm, but giving Nick Foles their backup quarterback in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the juggernaut Patriots the right to run the Philly Philly 
the most controversial play in Super Bowl history because of the fact that it was actually, I believe, an illegal shift. It should have been called back, but they missed it, apparently. The NFL, imagine, imagine that, NFL officials getting something wrong. They missed it entirely, and they got the touchdown. And then uh, I forget that which defensive player it was that got the ball out of Tom Brady's hands and ended up winning Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Everything went right for the Eagles for once, and they win a Super Bowl. And now three years later, they have a statue in front of their stadium with a coach they just fired with a backup quarterback that is now the backup in Chicago to Mitchell Trubisky. And Carson Wentz, he's the one that I believe that Lori, their owner, is choosing over Doug Peterson. The same quarterback that continues to get hurt, continues to fail himself, and wasn't even the one that led this team to the Super Bowl in 2017. If that isn't the most Philadelphia Eagles thing that's ever happened, I don't know what to tell you. Because this sounds like something the Philadelphia Eagles would have always done. So again, Doug Peterson, I don't really know how great of a coach he really is. All I do know is he gave them prominence. He took them to places they've never been before, and I highly doubt they'll ever be back, at least in our lifetime, because of stupid-ass decisions like this. So the Philadelphia Eagles, do me a solid and hold this hell. Because goddamn, you guys basically are asking for it at this point. And you're going to be handed a lot more L's throughout the years. I don't know what they're going to do with the coaching or the quarterback situation. I really have no idea. All I do know is they made a humongous mistake. And they made a very rash and quick knee-jerk mistake by firing Doug Peterson the way that they did. I I don't want to get into the whole schematics of what took place in that last game with them tanking the game because that's what they did. And I thought that was above Doug Peterson's head, but it sounds to me like um, there were some decisions conflicting between both management and, and coaching staff. Uh, Doug Peterson wants to move on from Carson Wentz, according to reports, and and, and the brass wants to uh, stick with Carson Wentz. And obviously that was the end-all be-all. Before we get out of here tonight, guys, I, I definitely wanted to uh, thank our guy Ron, the show Hughley. Uh, the audio side of things didn't work out well. Uh, I'm not going to get into details of what took place, but long story short, we could not get that segment in, and I did dearly, dearly apologize to all of our listeners who are looking forward to hearing from Ron. But you guys can definitely follow him uh, at Real uh, Ron the Show on uh, on Twitter. He is a great follow. You guys should definitely check, tune into his show out there in Houston. Um, with Clint Storner uh, and Sports Radio 610. It's an awesome show, very insightful. We miss him every day out here in Kansas City. We definitely miss the talent and the show that he brought at each and every uh, day in Kansas City, local radio waves. But I, I really hope that Chiefs fans are excited about this one because there's been a lot of talk, guys. The, the, the talking heads have been really jabbing their jaws about our Chiefs out here. And honestly, I, I get very triggered, very easily triggered by it all. I probably shouldn't, but I do. And it's one of those things where I'm I'm really learning that the Chiefs are really the team to beat now. And they will be for years to come. I'm not used to that. I'm used to having to defend their honor. It's it's we're no longer in that time in that era. Now we can just sit back and enjoy them talking their shit. And obviously we can pull the receipts when that time comes to do so. But getting so defensive in the in the moment, it, it, it's 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 pointless, guys, because our guy Patrick Mahomes is here to stay and he's dominating at a level that we've never seen from a quarterback. I mean, I, I don't really know what criticism they're going to really have to say when by the time he turns 30, he's already got three or four championships. I really don't know how they're going to be able to twist that one, but they'll try. In the meantime, we're going to enjoy it. 
This is what we've been waiting for our entire lives, whether you're in your 80s, 70s, 60s, or you're one of the younger people out here that have you know spent your life watching the 90s and how close they came in the 2000s and how close they came to now. And and what we're seeing and what we're witnessing, guys, this is this is the golden era of being a Chiefs fan. And I consider myself extremely lucky. I, I hope you guys consider yourselves extremely lucky to be alive at this time. We've got some great games coming up this weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight, and I hope you guys enjoy your weekend watching football or like Brian Herbert watching some UFC on ABC, whatever you're into. We appreciate you being here and listening to us talk, or at this point, just myself talk. Uh, into these microphones as we try to give you guys some positive and reinforcing content in these trying times in our country and in our world because, quite frankly, we could have a whole other podcast on those things. But nevertheless, we're here to talk sports, all sports all the time, as our guy Shaggy Shane says at the beginning of each and every one of these episodes. We really do appreciate you guys being here. And next week is episode 100. And we got a couple special guests for you guys lined up for that one. I'm very very excited to get to the triple digits with you guys, and I hope you guys will join us for that one. But in the meantime, let's watch some Chiefs football. Let's watch some NFL football. Let's see what takes. Let's say. Let's see what takes place. Maybe I'm going to be absolutely insane, and my Ram, my Rams pick's going to blow up in my face. I'm willing to take it on, guys. I'm willing to take it on. It's going to be fun. But in the meantime, enjoy the show. If you watch, listen to it again. We'll see if we can get some Spanish versions out of this. Probably not. But nevertheless, you guys have yourself a great weekend. For, for Trevor Twidwell, for Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, for everybody that's participated in this, for KCPN, I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 99 of The Spoken Podcast is done. We out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.